He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everyone my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset and today we're continuing our look into the five powers by talking about concentration focus the fourth power if you haven't been keeping up or if this is your first listen I'm not going to do a whole bunch of recap in this episode because they're short, but you can just go back and listen to the previous ones and get caught up real fast. So before we get into it, I do want to ask if you haven't already, please take a moment and rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on really does help out a lot. tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people, more people that listen, the better chance we have of developing the community and spirituality is always better when practiced in community. Alrighty, concentration. Concentration, focus, stillness of mind. Whatever we want to call this power, it is the balance to effort, and it is the one that controls distraction. Oh, that's a biggie right there. Of all the things that tend to be a problem in this world and within spiritual communities. Distraction has to be right up there. Now, this is an easy one to see in practice, especially if we go back to our very first example. So faith builds energy or effort. Effort builds mindfulness. Mindfulness builds concentration. Concentration builds wisdom. Wisdom builds faith. That's the basic cycle that we're working on here. It's actually quite easy to see this in our first example that was meditation practice. We have started developing mindfulness from our practice of meditation, that literal mindfulness that we're developing from meditation helps us to keep focused on continuing the practice. It helps us to keep focus during the practice and it keeps us from getting distracted while we're there. It's very easy, especially early on in our practice as meditators, to get distracted. Very easy to see how and where this power comes in. In other things, it might not be so easy. Because there are quite a few things that, well, lead to distraction. You can actually see this played out quite well in our previous episode where I tried to give examples of, well... People who might be our neighbors that are hard to love as we love ourselves. You can see me wrestling there, trying not to get distracted into other topics that could be talked about. Distraction is a very difficult thing. St. John of the Cross, in fact, tells us that when we are learning to pray and meditate, 
it will not be uncommon for us to have spiritual experiences or even visions or revelations, but that we should classify all of those as distractions on the path and focus instead on the work that we're doing. This may seem odd to some people who feel that the purpose of doing the practice is to achieve the vision, to achieve that experience. Not always the case. Now, there are some types of insight meditation and what have you that one might do in order to achieve some answers. Lectio Divina, for example, is a very stylized form of reading that helps us discover deeper meanings in a text. Musar is also a very similar but very different practice that allows us to do the same thing. But most of the time, we're trying to do a particular thing. Going to our example of love one another as you would have them love you and love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, and these two being alike, distraction becomes hard to see. Because there are some, and I know I have did this when I was younger, whose distraction to God, the saints, the angels, that, that that devotion itself became a distraction from any of the work that I needed to do on myself to improve who I am, and became a distraction that prevented me from doing a lot of the work that I should have been doing to help other people. Because I'm working on loving God with all my heart, mind, and spirit. And I hadn't really paid attention to Jesus when he said that the second is like the first and that these two go together, that loving one another, right? As, you know, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is like loving God with all our heart, minds, and spirits. And these two things go together. And I hadn't learned about panentheism yet, which was last week's topic, if you want to know more about that, seeing God in all things and all things in God. I hadn't learned those things yet, so I became very distracted and very focused on the things that I felt helped me with my devotion, saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet and saying the Rosary and, oh, the litanies that I recited and the hours and hours and hours that I spend isolated in prayer. And I laugh, not because it was foolish or stupid or a bad thing. In fact, it probably was a very important thing for me to do and an important phase for me to go through because I would always been very hyperactive. And by making myself sit and say these prayers and focus in that way, helped me learn how to focus and how to find concentration in a way that I might not have been able to find via other means. But at the same time, those devotions served as a distraction from the real work of spirituality, which is developing mindfulness, compassion, and justice. It distracted me from actually learning to live in the powers of God in this world and instead just seek devotion time, time to prove and worship and show God how much I actually loved the divine.
And that was a problem. See, anything can become an idol. Anything can be a distraction on the path. This is one of the things that I was trying to be very careful when discussing yesterday. Yes, we need to have compassion for all people, but that doesn't mean that you go, oh, well, you murdered somebody. Just promise you'll never do it again and not actually seeking justice in that situation. There is a stark lack of compassion in that action. And in not showing love and not seeking knowledge, wisdom, and understanding in those moments. Because virtues can be as much of a distraction to us on the spiritual path as vices can. And it's very easy for us to see how a vice could be a distraction. My own propensity to anger and frustration it's, it's not difficult for me to see that as an obstacle on my path as I am trying to become more spiritual, as I am trying to develop compassion and understanding and be a benefit for people. That's an easy thing to see. Piety, while in and of itself is not a bad thing, is one of the most palatable distractions that comes our way. Um, Chogyong Trungpa Rinpoche wrote an entire book called um, The Problem of Spiritual Materialism, in which he basically describes people who spend all of their energy and effort collecting teachers and teaching and collecting the things, having a good rosary, a nice mala, a beautiful crucifix on the wall, paintings or icons or statues of the saints. Instead of actually practicing those things. It's much easier to put your focus on having a nice rosary than it is to say a rosary with any devotion or intention or mindfulness. And these material things, having the right music at our worship services, having the right words in our sermons, these things can be great distractions because in the end, we're not here practicing on this path to hear the words of people or to show off the, our collection of spiritual artifacts. We're here to study at the feet of the Holy Spirit so that we, too, can bring about the reconciliation in the world that God wants us to bring. So in all of our actions, in all of our practices, in all of our beliefs, we have to be very careful to not make them a distraction. This is something that I did very badly when I was younger. I got caught up on the poetry of the beginning of Genesis and neglected the power of God that is in this world to lead us to knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, and became convinced that everything had to be in accord with the poetry of Genesis, and so that anything like the doctrine of evolution or 
the fact that the universe existed for billions of years, had to be wrong, because it wasn't in line with the poetry that I was studying. See, I didn't understand the poetics of it, that there are two versions of creation at the beginning of Genesis, and that they're there to teach us lessons about the world, and about God, and about each other. And they're not there to actually explain to us how the world came about. That's not their purpose. That's not their function. As the wonderful song Word of God says, man wrote the Bible, God wrote the rocks. And that's what it is all about. We're here to learn. We're here to study. And very often we can get lost and distracted in sheer dogmatism and lose our focus, lose our concentration on the things that we should actually be doing. Because the world will not stop because of something that's written in a text. Just because St. John Chrysostom or any of the people we call saints throughout history wrote something, that does not make it eternally true. We are here to constantly test and see. It may have been the best understanding these people could have had in the time that they wrote. St. Hildegard of Bingen, for example, wrote a wonderful treatise on medicine and medicinal herbs. Now, there are places that still teach what she had to say because, well, she actually had a fairly good catalog of what herbs actually do have effects on various human illnesses. And there's still research to this day in how well they actually work and whether or not they are viable treatments. But she didn't understand germ theory. She didn't understand the world as we do. She didn't know what a virus was or what bacteria was. And that's not a knock on her. This was knowledge that wasn't discovered when she was alive. She had no opportunity to learn these things. So any account she gives as to what actually causes an illness is going to be born probably out of the work of Galen, which was kind of the inheritance of Europe. But that would be wrong. And I'm not saying that we have to throw out everything that happened in the past. I'm, what I'm trying to say is we have to realize that our knowledge is ever-growing, our knowledge is ever-developing. The great distraction that comes our way, that we are always in need of casting off, is that even today we believe that the knowledge that we have is perfect, true, and right. Newton perfectly described the universe for most people until Einstein showed where Newton was wrong. And things changed. And someday someone will probably come along and show us where Einstein was wrong, or any of the other great scientists or philosophers. That's how knowledge works. Everything that we know, do, and practice is built on the shoulders of giants who came before us. It is important to know our history and to know where these thoughts came from and how they arose. But it is just as important for us to realize that in every generation, we have to question all of the things that have been handed down to us over the centuries 
and hold to that which is true. Try all things, Paul tells us, and hold to that which is true. Not everything that has ever been said or done in the name of God is true. And that path can be very difficult for us to walk. There are so many distractions along the way. Some will help us feel superior to others. And that sense of superiority can be a comfort in a world that to many feels so cold and empty. It is a lie. It is one of the greatest lies of the devil that any of us is superior to any other. We are all equal in this universe and in the sight of God. But it can make us feel better to hold on to those old prejudices. They are a distraction. They are what we are here to get rid of. They are what concentration is for. We focus on what we are doing and why we are doing it. And that focus counterbalances our effort. See, our effort keeps us from being lazy. And we can be lazy in holding on to false beliefs. And we can be lazy in holding on to our prejudices. But we can also be distracted by them. And so these two things, our effort and our concentration, must balance one another. And as with everything, we bring the healing balm of mindfulness in. And when we look at these things through that detached lens, through that lack of judgment, and we don't say, well, it's true because Saint so-and-so said it was true, and actually look, does the history back it up? Does the science back it up? Is it true now? Because what may have been important thousands of years ago may not be as important today. It was very important to stay kosher back in the time the kosher rules were written. If you actually look at all the foods that are banned under the kosher rules, they are foods that are often filled with parasites or poisons sometimes, if not kept very carefully refrigerated, which ooh, they didn't have refrigeration back then. And I'm not saying that we should abandon the kosher rules. They may be important to some people culturally. And that, again, harms no one. So maybe that's a thing that you can keep if you want. But there was a reason back then when those things were said. They weren't just arbitrary rules. Pigs carry trigonosis, which is a terrible, terrible thing. It is a parasite that no one wants to be afflicted with. And so before we were able to pretty much eradicate it from the food chain, yeah, eating pigs was dangerous. Eating shellfish was dangerous and still can be if people aren't careful to notice whether or not there's a red tide or any of the warning signs that they might carry botulism. These were once important rules. In all things, we test them to see what is true so they do not become distractions for us. We learn to focus. We learn to stay on the path that we are trying to walk so that we may develop wisdom. And we do that with the guidance, 
we get from the mindfulness we have developed along the way. It's a very important power for us to exhibit. It's a very important power for us to put into our lives because it will keep us from doing things that we will one day regret. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have and you haven't already, please rate this podcast wherever you're listening to me. It really does help out a lot. If you've got a buck you can throw my way, in the show notes you'll find a link to the community support page that really does help out a lot. It helps me pay for everything that we do. If you don't have any money or you don't feel like giving right now, don't worry about it. That's not why I do this. I really want to try to share the little bits of wisdom that I've picked up in hopes that it will help keep you from making some of the same mistakes that I did. But if you know anybody that you think might enjoy this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out immensely too. If you want to get in touch with me, you can either contact me via the voice messages, which you'll find a link for that in the show notes, or you can go to wisdomscry.com and find links to everything that I do over there. All right. Thank you for listening. We have one more in this series. Tomorrow we will be talking about wisdom or discernment. And given the name of this episode, the series, you might realize that that's something kind of important to me. So until next time, may God bless you and keep you ever growing in wisdom and compassion and keep you on the path where you will find faith that will lead, that you will then, that will lead you to effort and that effort will lead to mindfulness and that mindfulness will lead to concentration and that concentration will lead to wisdom and that wisdom will lead to even greater faith. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I humbly pray. Amen.